Philippians 1, 27 through 2, 5. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear or hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, survive, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any terrified by and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of predation, but to you of salvation, and that from God, for you to it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. Therefore, if any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affliction or mercy, fill my joy with being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind, letting nothing be done through selfishness, ambition, or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Good morning. It's a blessing to be together this Lord's Day. We're thankful for the presence of each and every one here. You would be turning in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. That's where we will be taking the thoughts of our study this morning in Philippians chapter 1. As we have been considering throughout this year, our theme has been the gospel is for all. And we have tried to examine the nature of the gospel and trying to understand what the gospel really is. And we have looked at the foundation of the gospel and how the gospel was, that foundation was really laid in the Old Testament with the promises that were made to Abraham. And how the prophets of old, how they prophesied and spoke of the Messiah that was to come. And then we have looked at the life of Jesus and how Jesus is that fulfillment of those Old Testament expectations, the Messianic prophecies. And how He is the one who came proclaiming good news and preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And we have seen how He is a necessary component of the gospel. And our, the last few... Uh, bits of our study will be focused on really the what's left for us to do with the gospel. Last month we looked at our obedience to the gospel, that the gospel is more than just facts that we have to know. It's really an invitation for us to become a participant in the gospel, that we are to become obedient to the gospel and we are to give our life and submission to Christ our King. And those are all themes that we have touched on throughout our study of this. And today we're going to look at a passage in Philippians chapter 1, which we just heard in our reading, and particularly in verse 27, where the Apostle Paul makes this statement. <clears throat> he says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, and with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I want us to consider this verse and what that means, what it requires of us to conduct ourselves 
in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's something that is the next step in our participation in the gospel. As Paul has been writing to the church at Philippi, that he has been writing about their fellowship with Christ and with Paul in the preaching of the gospel. And so he begins to emphasize that you need to conduct yourself in a way that is consistent with the expression of Jesus and the gospel and what all that would really mean. I believe there's three things that we need to really consider this morning from this text that we will see that we first need to understand what Paul is really saying here. And in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, most of our English translations would say that only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. And that Greek word for conduct there, we might think in the English we would say he's trying to get us to see how we live our life. And that is true to the extent that there's a little bit of another layer there. The Greek word there actually is connected to the idea of citizenship. And it's not just about our lifestyle, it's about that we have a citizenship, that we need to live in a way as a citizen of the kingdom of God. And the city of Philippi, it was a Roman colony. And this kind of language would have resonated with them. Because as a Roman colony, this city here of Philippi, they would have heard and had the expectation that they are to be this miniature Rome, that they are supposed to be an expression of all the Roman ideals, all the Roman models and the behavior that They were supposed to embody as a citizen of the Roman Empire, but not even just a citizen, but as a colony of it. That they were supposed to emulate what it is to be Roman. And so whenever Paul is saying here to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, he's calling on Christians to live in a way that is consistent with the citizenship that we have, our true citizenship, not just of being a Roman citizen or being in the United States of America for us in our modern context, but that we are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And if we are going to be able to conduct ourselves in a way that is consistent with the gospel, then we have to remember our citizenship. And that is why Paul goes on in chapter 3 of the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, and in verses 20 and 21, at the end of this chapter, Paul says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. And so what we need to recognize that Paul is trying to get us to see here and understand that our citizenship, our complete and total mindset needs to be shifted towards heaven. That we can have all the distractions that this world might offer. That we can be focused on all the things that are glamorous and that look fun and look appealing to us here in this life. But we need to remember our true citizenship. And if we're going to be consistent with the gospel, the story of Jesus Christ and a participant in that gospel story, if we're going to receive the benefits of His death, burial, and resurrection and enjoy the salvation that Jesus Christ has secured, 
then we must remember our true home. And while we may be patriotic and very thankful for the blessings and privileges that come with being a citizen of the United States of America, we have a greater privilege to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And we need to keep that focus. We need to remember what Peter said. The Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you want to turn over there with me, in 1 Peter chapter 2, notice what Peter says here. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 11, he says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now he first admonishes these people to live as aliens and strangers. That's not the green people from outer space or anything like that. That's being an alien, someone from another country that is coming through and passing through. And so Peter, he says, I want you to be as an alien, as a stranger, that we need to recognize that this world is not our home. We sometimes sing that song, don't we? This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And we have to adopt that kind of perspective. That as we have come to see and our life has changed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have to come to recognize that we do not belong here. And we have to be willing to cut the ties and the allurements of this world. As Peter says, that we have to, as he urges you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. And the things of this world that all the promises that it offers. We have to recognize that our ties here to this earth are but a vapor. It's a short time. And realizing that we are citizens of heaven ought to awaken our senses that temptation and sin can only distract us. That they can only distract us from waiting for Jesus. In Philippians chapter 3, that's what Paul tells us as citizens of heaven. That as we are here on earth, he says, for our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That we are waiting and part of our mission here on earth as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, it's to wait. It's not to get distracted. It's not to uh, go off to the left or to the right and to veer towards temptation and to sin. We have to recognize that we are here but for a short time. We have to keep the proper perspective. We need to be willing to cut ties and remove some of those ties that might cause us to sin and to stumble and to be distracted and to, that would cause us to lose our focus. 
And so really, whenever we're talking about remembering our citizenship, if we're going to conduct our life in a way that's consistent with the Gospel, we have to be focused in on heaven. That has to be our thought. That has to be our motivation each and every day. We have to remember that citizenship because when it comes to our goals and our priorities and the things that we have to decide about, our treasures, where are they laid up? Where are they stored? If they are here on the earth, then we're going to have a reward right now. But then we will suffer for eternity. We have to remember what truly matters. And remembering our citizenship and living in a way that is consistent with heaven's demands, that's our obligation here on the earth. And so we have to remember our citizenship. And then secondly, what we also have to do is we have to remember your king. As citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we have to also remember that we are loyal and subject not to ourselves, not to any other earthly power or dominion, but our primary allegiance is given to Jesus. That we are giving our life unto Him. And we have to remember who He is. And Paul makes this statement in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the Gospel of Christ. And that is somewhat of a unique way in which Paul uses this to emphasize that it matters how we live our life. Because usually he would talk about it in a metaphor. He would say to walk in a way that's worthy. In Colossians chapter 1, and just notice there, just a few pages over probably, in Colossians chapter 1 and in verse 10, Paul makes this statement here. He says, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. It's a very similar statement. But he uses that metaphor of walking in, to emphasize how our pattern in everyday life, how that is a supposed to be consistent with who Jesus is and that we are to walk in a way that would be pleasing to, to Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter uses the same kind of illustration. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and in verse 21, notice what Peter says. He says, For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps. That we are to live this life in walking after Him, walking worthily of Him. That we are to pattern our life and by following His example. And so we have to remember who Jesus is, I would suggest to you. Which is exactly what Paul does in Philippians chapter 2. He reminds us of who Jesus is. He reminds us of who our King is. And he says in Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 5, Have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. This, this attitude of selflessness. That we don't focus just on ourselves. We look to the interest of others. We'll talk some more about that in a little bit. But first we have to understand this principle that of who Jesus is and what He has done. And he goes on in verse 6 to describe our King and our Lord and our Savior. 
He says, Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You just think about this picture that we have just seen here that Paul is painting of the selfless and sacrificial example of Jesus. Here, God became a man. The Creator became the creature. The one deserving of worship became a slave. The one to be obeyed became obedient. The Eternal One died. And all of this was not motivated out of selfishness, but out of a desire to save others. Jesus is a selfless King who would give His life for others. And then you continue with that story in verse 9 that Paul is trying to develop and help us see here about who Jesus is. He says in verse 9, For this reason also God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so you had this downward focus of Jesus and His selflessness and His humility, but then you have the upward trajectory here where you have Jesus as the exalted One who has been exalted by His Father, who is worshipped by every knee and every tongue that confesses Jesus. A few months ago, whenever we looked at Jesus as the exalted King, we looked at the exaltation, the ascension of Jesus, we, I put this chart up because that is exactly what Paul is trying to help us see, that there is this downward trajectory in the Gospel story that we see Jesus, the one who is emptied and humbled and obedient and who dies. But then He is worshipped and He is given the name that is above every name and He is exalted. And what we come to recognize is that Jesus in His authority and His power, and He is the one who is deserving to be emulated and to be modeled because of His selflessness. We need to remember our King. We need to remember the kind of life and the character that He lived. And we must follow in His footsteps. And as Jesus in His exaltation completed the story of the Gospel, that also we need to recognize that we must model our life after His. And we must focus to become more like Him. And so if we're going to conduct ourselves in a way that is worthy of the Gospel, we have to emulate our King. We have to follow His example and His pattern. And we see that He is a selfless King. He is a King who would give His life 
for the citizens of His kingdom so that they can have life. That's the kind of life that we must live. And as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. We must remember the story of our King. And we must be ready to do as He has done, because living worthy of the Gospel, it requires selflessness. Living worthy of the Gospel requires that we deny ourselves. And living worthy of the Gospel requires us to pick up our own cross and follow Him. And then there's a third thing that we must remember. That is, we must remember our family, our spiritual family, which Paul admonishes us to do. Backing up to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, as he admonishes us only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit and one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Part of living this life of the gospel living out the Gospel and participating in the Gospel, it means that we have to look at each other. We can't just be focused on ourselves. We have to remember our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And that as we are each striving to live in a way that's worthy of the Gospel, then we are going to build a community The church of Christ is our community. It is our family. And that we have to remember each other. And we have to treat each other in a way that would be appropriate. Because sometimes, this is hopefully not true of your family, but sometimes it can be. Sometimes we treat strangers or non-family members better than we do our own family. And that's a shame, isn't it? And we have to remember what we are supposed to do and how we are supposed to treat one another. And Paul, he says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, for those who are in Christ, there should be encouragement. If there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion. He says, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That we need to look towards the interest of others, and as I look out for you, that your interests and your needs need to be more important than my own. 
that you need to become more important than me. That's the kind of family and community that we're supposed to have within the body of Christ. He goes on in verse 4, Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. We need to treat one another with kindness and compassion and patience and love for the sake of unity and for growth of the Lord's church. And then he follows that up with that statement in verse 5. Verse 5 is really sort of a bridge from talking about the church to being able to talk about Jesus. And so he says in verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. That this whole display of selflessness that we see exemplified in Jesus, it needs to be lived out and embodied among us, among the saints of God. And as if we have that attitude, if we each strive to have that kind of attitude where we're looking out for each other and not looking out for me, then we are going to get rid of gossip. We're going to get rid of backbiting. We will get rid of any sort of hurtful words and feelings that might take place. We'll be able to help encourage one another grow when we remember that we have a spiritual community that we are, are focused on helping and encouraging each other make it to heaven. As I mentioned, the city of Philippi was a Roman colony. And it was a, a miniature Rome. It was a Rome away from Rome, if you will. And if you think about the church... The church is supposed to be that the colony of the citizens of heaven while here on earth. We are supposed to exemplify and model the ideals of our King, and we're supposed to live in a way as citizens of heaven would while here on earth. And if we could understand that, then doesn't that help us understand the significance and the importance of the Lord's church in our life? It wouldn't be a question of whether I, well, do I have to go to church today? Do I have to go again at 4 o'clock? It wouldn't be a question of that, would it? Because we would understand that as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, I should want to be with God's people. I should want to be with my fellow citizens. And I'm going to elevate the importance of that community, the Lord's church in my life. It's going to be an important part of who I am. I'm going to not just want to be here once a week or just a few times. I'm going to want to know what's going on in everyone's life even when we're not here, when we're separated. I'm going to want to reach out whenever someone is sick, whenever someone is struggling with doubts, when someone needs to be picked up and uplifted. We are going to remember each other. That's what is required of us if we are going to conduct ourselves worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have to remember our citizenship, our king, and our spiritual family. But I would suggest to you that 
remembering is not enough. Remembering is not enough. We have to also remember that we represent something. Our our remembering needs to lead us to action. Because as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, that in my life, I represent heaven and the ideals of heaven. I represent my God and my Savior. And I need to live in a way that is consistent with heaven's decrees and heaven's law. I need to live that way and I need to show that to my neighbor, to my co-workers, to people that I know and I have come to realize that are not part of the kingdom of heaven. I need to be willing to emulate and model myself after heaven. And then I also represent my king. And then as I am striving to follow in his steps and to live my my life in a way that is consistent and worthy of Him. That I need to represent Him. I need to emulate Him. And then I represent my spiritual family. That in my life, my actions, everything that I do, it represents the body of Christ. And if I can filter every decision that I make or every choice that I might make, every word that I might say and every thought that I would have, if I can filter it through that kind of lens and understand that and those principles, then would that not change how we live our life and the actions that we make and the choices that we participate in? The things that we do with our time, our focus and our energy. How would that change your life? Remembering that you are representing heaven, God, and Christ, and the church. Would that change your actions and your thoughts and the choices that you make? It's what Paul is trying to get us to reckon with. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Because the gospel requires us to live in a way that is consistent with the life and the manner of our Lord and Savior. Therefore, we must live in a way that would help us remember the heavenly home that we have through His example and His death and resurrection. We must also remember His kingship and His authority. And as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, recognizing Jesus as our King, we must submit to His law and obey Him, seeking to become more like Him. And then we must remember the spiritual family, those that we share a common bond with through the blood of Christ. We need to be thankful for our brethren. We need to treat them in a way that is right and appropriate. That is how we can conduct ourselves worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
appreciate your good attention this morning. If you're not a child of God, you're not a Christian, we would encourage you this morning to become a Christian. Have your sins washed away. You would come in faith, believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, being baptized into Him this morning, having your sins washed away. You can become a child of God, freed from the sin and the, the guilt that is upon you. And if you have made that choice to become a child of God, but you've not been living in a way that's worthy of the gospel, we'd encourage you to make some changes in your life this morning. Coming and confessing your fault, we're here to pray with you and pray for you and encourage you in whatever way we possibly can. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?